to Full Service Radio. Full Service Radio. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. During my time in culinary school, I gained an appreciation for good beer and continued my studies in beer at grad school at NYU. Since then, I have been a beer director, beer bar general manager, and I get to continue to explore the beer world with all of you wonderful listeners. Every week, I will have a different guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers, importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. So that is our normal show. Um, This week is a very different show. Uh, I wanted to start this show um, avoiding the typical beer podcast where it's usually like bros hanging out, drinking beers, talking about the industry, um, and kind of have a departure from that. Uh, This week, I'm embracing it. I called in my bros. We're going to drink some beer. We're going to talk about that beer. (laughs) And we'll talk about stuff in the industry. So in studio, I have Sam Nellis. He is the bar director at All Purpose Shaw and Red Hen. I have Brett Weinrib. He is the former assistant beer director under the tutelage of Greg Anger for the Neighborhood (laughs) Restaurant Group. We, we made up that title. Um, and uh, currently a financial analyst. And then welcoming back to the show, Grant Vaught. He is man about town. Third time on the show. Victory, mission accomplished. <laughs> Victory is mine. So, uh, yeah, I think you and Bill DeBond are tied right now for three times on the show. So, you know, do a, do a throw down with him. Sounds good. Yeah. You hear that, Bill? Come at me. (laughs) Uh, I think you can take him. He's so tired from having a baby. (laughs) (laughs) In his weekend state. Um, All right. So thank you all for coming in on this uh, not rainy Monday morning. We're glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, So let's get started with the first beer. Sam, you want to kick us off? I feel like as far as the lineup goes, this would be the easiest one to go. Yeah, sure. I like that we actually all kind of went seasonal. Yeah. Um, nobody. I I thought about bringing in a like cool, crisp, clean pilsner or a hell's lager in uh, in honor of the Shelton brothers who who can't be here because they live um, in Boston. Other places, Boston. Who lives in Boston? Did you say Austin? Oh, you mean like those Shelton brothers? I meant yes. like the twins, oh. the ones you know that I'm friends with. Um, but instead, I went with something I think they would still approve of, Mm -hmm. uh, which is something really, really classic. And by classic, I mean from a brewery that's been brewing for 563 years, I believe Mm -hmm. is the actual number. Um, It is the Andescher Doppelbach Dunkel from uh, Andex in Germany. It was about a 45-minute train ride outside of Munich, um, famous Benedictine monastery where they brew... um, very, very traditional beer. Uh, this is their Doppelbach. Um, big, big nutty qualities, malt balance, almost no hops to speak of in terms of the presence on the nose or palate. Um, and for me, one of the best food beers that you can find. Uh, yeah. Really brings out the Maillard and almost any uh, seared meat. 
um, can be a counterbalance to acid or to you know salinity. So it's really really a fantastic beer. And for me, a, a an example of how you don't have to have something new to be exciting. Mm-hmm. Like old stuff can be exciting too. And at one point was also new. That's how time works. <laughs> Thanks, man. You're time, welcome. Time is time, but a flat circle. Time's, no, I, time's I, linear. At Birch and Barley Church Q, when we used to have to like quiz the staff on, all right, here's the new dish. What would you pair with it? And no one can say Andex Doppelbach because mm-hmm. it was such a gimme. It's so versatile. For food pairing. So you'd have to get a little more creative with it. And a wonderful way to start off a Monday morning. I know. <laughs> I haven't had this. So you were saying earlier that uh, some people say this has like Tootsie Roll notes to it. And that is like the, that's what I heard again and again and again. And as someone who hates Tootsie Rolls, uh, I don't, I don't get it. Well, it doesn't have Tootsie Roll. People used to say Tootsie Roll sweetness. Mm-hmm. And I never really got that. And I actually don't think the beer is that sweet. No. Um, it, it doesn't have a, a saccharine sugary quality to it it's got the flavor of malt um which to me is more round uh, a more muted sweetness um yeah great nuts yeah absolutely um and and so you know the, i think that's part of the reason that it it works so well with food is that it sort of melds into the food like a great pairing isn't just about what does the beer do for the food or what does the food do for the beer. Like, the two really should become, like, one dish. Like, it was the the missing component uh, of whatever you're eating. Um, and I think if it's too pronounced or too sweet, it won't do that. It ends up being like a glaze, which takes over everything. Awesome. <laughs> Grant, <laughs> do you disagree with me? No, I was just thinking if the dish is missing a component... <laughs> Probably shouldn't be a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing down the gauntlet early. All right. Uh, so, Sam, any uh, any fun facts in the beer world you want to talk about while we enjoy your selection here? Um, <laughs> fun facts in the beer world. There's a lot of new breweries. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> I was I mean when I was discussing this beer with with my wife. Last night, Alyssa, which you you guys know, but our listeners probably don't know her. Um, she does good work. She does do good work. Do tell, tell them what she does. I'll, uh, mess up, she, I'll mess up what she does. She is the uh, PR and marketing uh, director for the restaurant group that contains my restaurant, mm-hmm. uh, or my restaurants. Um, she probably most famously handled the hmm. odd fallout from the, the Red Hen debacle, where an entirely different restaurant, not related to us at all, mm-hmm. had a run-in with the press secretary, and then somehow... We got all the flack from it, so she kind of became Twitter famous for a couple of days, nice. uh, handling uh, all of that. So you were talking about this with Alyssa? Oh, I was talking about it with her, and I was saying, you know, sometimes I get a little snarky, mm-hmm. as as many of us do, because we feel like we really, we really know what good beer is and what real beer is, and all these, you know, kids they don't get it. You get snarky. Um, I've been known to. Mm. And, um, and I said, you know, it's not really fair for, for me to get so rude about the breweries because it's hard to stand out in today's market. Like in, you know, after, after Jimmy Carter made home brewing legal mm-hmm. and then, you know, you had a, an explosion in home brewing, which naturally led to an explosion in craft brewers, uh, you know, which gave us today's modern craft movement. Like originally you could just be craft. Yeah. And then you could be local. And then you could be the IPA that, like, everyone had to have. But 
as the crowd, you know, get or as the field gets more crowded, it's harder and harder to stand out. And so the Instagrammable beers are a natural conclusion to that because at the end of the day, like, you know, you go into a business to make money. And so it's not enough to, to make, you know, a beautiful Doppelbach anymore. Mm-hmm. You, you have to make a smoothie beer. You got to have a cool can. You got to have a cool can. Instagrammable can art. And, and I get, I get snarky about it. But then whenever someone has a cool can, I'm like, I want that cool can. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So. Your voice is really creepy when you do that. A cool can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I was, and I was just, I was saying uh, last week or the week before or whatever that, um, you know, these, these breweries now that, that open up have to be good right off the rip. There's too many other breweries for them to have, like, time to have issues with inconsistency. Mm-hmm. So there were some breweries in D.C. who struggled a little bit in their first year or so, or three, um, but because they were the only ones in the market, they were still able to stick around, and, and now they don't have those issues, and now they're very successful. Yeah, I know. Shots fired. I'm sorry. But, you know, nowadays, it's someone opens up, they have to be good right off the rip, or they're going to be gone in, like, two years, or if that, one year. Yeah. So. Especially with aluminum tariffs. Yeah. It oh. makes a canning so expensive. It's, it's a sensitive subject for Grant. we got to steer away from oh, that. Oh, so sorry, Grant. <laughs> what do you think about breweries that open up and they're not great off the rip and they have the benefit of the local effect they might be the only brewery in their neighborhood do they need to be good no off the rip i i mean i would want them to be but you're right they have the benefit of being the local beer so people people are happy to do local instead of good which is a real shame i i mean maybe it's a shame Oh, come on. Really? Maybe it's a shame. I mean, people, when you're local, mm-hmm. you're interacting with your community. Yeah. You're, you know, hearing what people like. You're, you know, teaching people about something they might not have access to. And the idea of packaged beer in and of itself is a fairly new concept. And transporting it and commercializing it, as far as world history goes, it's a fairly new concept. And I don't think that... It's unreasonable to think that, like, you know, the standards are nice for people who have access to it, but it's an it's a inevitably a privileged position for us to sit here with our our bevy of goods and be like, a local beer sucks. But if you are the only option and the only other stuff you can get is packaged macro beers. Yeah, but if if they're sitting there, you know, quote unquote, like you said, educating the community, if they they come out and say like, all right, we're a new brewery, we're the only brewery in the area, and we're only brewing pale ales, and we're going to teach you guys all about pale ales. Well, if they're brewing something that is so far away from what pale ale actually is, that it's either bad or they've just put a ridiculous amount of stuff in it to not make it pale ale anymore, then they're not educating their community and they're misrepresenting an entire field yeah man when i go to my hometown there's a uh, brew pub there that will remain unnamed that uh, they consistently win best of awards in uh the town my dad lives in and uh it's a destination the governor was there after the primary and ran into his primary opponent and they had a talk over a beer and the last time i was there i just had arguably the worst beer i've ever had in my life uh, served to me by them, but they had made and brewed on premise. And I, I feel like that does a disservice because that's what people think of as 
Man, this is the good stuff. And it's awful. It's a, it's, just, it's a disservice to everybody involved. I, maybe it is. Or maybe that's how they get introduced to craft beer. Mm-hmm. And then years later, they're looking at it going, oh, man, I had some real stinkers. But, like, thank God I had them. Because now I've got, you know, 4,000 breweries to choose from. And they're, you know, some of them are great and some of them are bad. But, like... It's the Boone's Farm of Wine. sure but it's like you know the first beer i had in my life wasn't a a craft beer it was a you know probably a bud light or a a miller light and my friends and i used to sit around and argue about you know what what case of beer were we going to try to convince some you know hapless 21 year old to buy us and it was like well i really like miller light well i think that bud light's more flavorful and it's like you know now i think about that and i'm like oh i roll my eyes and i you know I get sad. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, like, now I drink beer. And I had to get introduced to it in some way. And I have a starting off point that I share with a lot of other people that I can say, like, oh, well, you know, uh, a Pilsner is like, you've had Pilsners before. You just haven't had good ones. All right. Fair enough. I disagree with you. but That's fine. That's okay. I have very unpopular <laughs> opinions in general, so I'm used to it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Brett, you want to want to do yours next? I think Sure. Nice. I would love to. Where's the opener? You have it. So I brought Deschutes Black Butte Porter. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, in, at least in probably the DC market, this is an under the radar beer. It's not necessarily a sexy pick. Um, but for me, it holds a special place. I think we've all kind of had times in our lives where um, we've had those moments that influence our trajectory in the beer industry and places that have really piqued our interest in beer. Uh, The first time I went to Portland, Oregon was almost 10 years ago, and going to Deschutes was one of those moments. Um, Ripping through all the breweries in Portland, um, came across Deschutes and fell in love with this porter, and to this day, it's arguably my favorite. Um, It's definitely on the lighter side of an American, you know, porter, Um, possibly sitting in between an English porter and an American porter. Um, that can be debated, but I love it because it's it's a great food beer, kind of like, you know, the On Dutch is a great food beer. A um, little bit of roast, obviously. Um, touch of smoke, which is what I really do love about this beer. And um, it's incredibly drinkable, very appropriate for the weather. And for me, it just holds a special place in my heart. And I think porter is a style that, again, isn't really sexy in today's world of milkshake IPAs and pastry stouts um, but it's a classic style that will hold the test of time yeah for sure this is I mean this is funny this is something that I see you know anytime I go to you know Wegmans or whatever and it's like one of those ones where you look at it and you're like oh, I've, I've had that before I don't need to do that again and now drinking this it's delicious it's really do you good have, do you have Wegmans in Northern Virginia now Sure do, Holmes. Sure do. <laughs> Must be nice. It is. It's delightful. <laughs> Sam's making fun of me because my husband and I recently bought a house in Alexandria and apparently live in, you know, the boondocks now. Yeah. Well, Sam, you can make fun of me because I'm probably the one person who has still never been to a Wegmans. Oh, it's wonderful. What? I know. There's two of us. Ah. Grant, you and I can take a journey together. They're, yeah. built, they're putting one in Northwest. Yeah, oh, yeah, perfect. way northwest. This has become a product placement for Wegmans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I like about this beer, uh, as well, is that it's part of that 1988 explosion Great point. of craft Great uh, point. brewing. 
uh, which is about, you know, we talked about Jimmy Carter earlier, and I think that was in 77, 78. And then about a decade later, you have an explosion of all these craft breweries across the, the country, uh, including, I believe, Goose Island, yeah. mm-hmm. which we'll taste later. Class of 88. Class of 88. <laughs> That's right. Um, they made a, they, yeah, who, who were all the breweries that did that? I, I remember those um, two. Do you remember anybody? Was it Bell's? Bell's might have been a involved. Great Lakes was definitely in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. Great Lakes. Yeah. I mean, really classic American breweries. And that was the thing that, like, that was the frustrating thing for me is that, like, a lot of those places struggle now. I mean, Sierra Nevada saw a major drop-off in its pale ale sales um, and, and you know, was for a little bit trying to figure out, like, what were they going to do uh, in terms of their beer, beer sales? Because they're still really supported by their, their hop-growing ventures. But as far as the beer sales themselves, they were really in a, a tough spot there for a while. Uh, I'm trying to remember the beer that like they say saved them, but I think it was like one of their sours. I'm not sure. I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, me too. It's an embarrassing. Moment. I'm just well. I've already had so much beer. Oh god. Oh man, I'm really fuzzy. <laughs> Sam's just a lightweight. <laughs> Sound like which two, is weird because I'm so of... fat. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you trimmed up. You've been yeah. hitting and hitting been the hitting gym the pretty gym. hard. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm well. I'm less fat than I was, but I'm still fatter than I used to be. Oh my so. gosh. Poor Sam. <laughs> oh. Well, Brett, do you have a fun beer I issue do. or fact to I talk do. about while we drink your selection here? It's uh, somewhat related to Sam's topic. Um, given that we're, in the last couple of years, seeing these breweries with you know, the milkshake IPAs, pastry stouts, etc., do we think that this is the new normal where it's an adjunct-driven industry? Or do we think we're going to see ourselves reverting back to more classic styles that are adjunct free or do we think that the adjunct um influx is simply driven by the instagrammable beers that that sam mentioned earlier all right so we're gonna take a quick i got carried away with you guys we're gonna take a quick break and we'll get right back into this this is beer me on full service radio up all night with the same thing in my head just wanting you here next to me It's been a long time Don't you agree? You can turn it all around If you say to me Say it all right Change this, change this shit It was right Change this, change this shit Welcome back to Beer Me Recording live at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. on Full Service Radio. Today we are taking a little bit of a departure from our typical show. And I uh, invited my bros in to uh, drink some beer, talk about beer. Uh, so I got Sam Nellis. He is the bar director at All Purpose Shaw and Red Hen. Grant Vaughn, uh, man about town, man about beer, third time back on the show. And Brett Weinrib. He's the former assistant beer director under the tutelage of Greg Anghurt at National. Can't even get through <laughs> <laughs> a neighborhood restaurant group. He's currently a financial advisor. Uh, so, Brett, you were just talking about how um, you know all of these beers that are popular right now. You've got the super fruited gozas. You've got um, uh, the New England style IPAs, where they're getting really hazy, really juicy. They're adding fruit. They're adding lactose. We got pastry stouts where they're adding you know everything. And your question was: Is adjunct the new normal? Is adjunct the new normal, and do we think we're going to see ourselves 
reverting in a positive way back to more adjunct-free classic styles being um, the preferred or the hot styles of the moment. Well, I think, I mean, there's already kind of a resurgence of Pilsner and the appreciation for Pilsner. And, of course, lager, uh, like export-style lager, is is having a little moment in the sun, um, visual intended. Um, but, <laughs> I, I mean, I think... I think adjuncts are here to stay. I, if anything, to you know, it's a it's an easy way to brew. You you can make all the mistakes you want and cover it up with some fruit or sure. some chocolate or whatever. Well, not only that, but it goes back to what we're talking about with the Deschutes Porter, where it's something you always look over. You know, if you have a base stout and you add a different adjunct each time, then they have to come and try that beer too, and then they have to come back two weeks from now and try that beer, and then two weeks from now and try that beer, and you have a base IPA and you change out one hop in there and you have a new beer, and they're going to have people coming back. They're going to look past the Deschutes because they've already had the Deschutes, but they haven't had this IPA with Equinox hops. Ooh, yeah, I mean... It's I, a market maker. Yeah. I, the idea is, you know, beer is a collector's... like. Um, medium now um, and and you know everybody sort of acts like um, I used to call them poke masters like they got to catch them all right <laughs> but like once they do like they there's too many options they have to move on to something else and I, I, I really you know even though I brought in you know a super old beer and I, I like to talk about things that are you know old can still be good and I, I really believe that and I do enjoy sitting down with a black butte porter and drinking it um, I I, I do also disagree with the idea that a fruited or adjunct heavy beer is bad. Um, no, it's or, certainly or not bad. Not, or, or even necessarily less than. Um, some of the more classics. I have to drink this beer so I can pour it in my new glass. Hold on a second. Yeah, girl. <sighs> Get it. Um, we, we, we've laughed a couple times after saying Greg's name just because it's, it's a funny to call him under the tutelage of Greg. I know. But, the, the jam, which is that strawberry goza that they make every year down at Berliner Weiss. Oh, at Blue Jacket. At Blue Jacket. Yeah. That's an adjunct heavy beer, and it's really delicious. It is delicious. And I look forward to it every single year. Yeah. It's really good. No, it's it is really, really good. really good. And it gets better every year. Mm-hmm. And it's something that they work on every year. How do we introduce the adjunct in a way that makes it, you know, a, a fuller, rounder flavor um, or sharper flavor, whatever you're looking for? Um so, yes, I think that adjunct heavy beers are here to stay from a market standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. As long as the classic styles are still available. As long as I can still get a, a Kutzka 10 from time to time. Which is maybe the best beer that's ever been made. Grant, what are your it, thoughts? Well, I was just uh, you know, kind of thinking about, you know... I mean, what if we talked about art where he said, well, art shouldn't progress past X. We would have never had Van Gogh. No, we never would have had Rembrandt if it was just this is as far as art can go. And anything that's not this isn't good. Like, I I mean, I don't think it's necessarily bad. We can still appreciate, as you mentioned, the classics. But also, somebody appreciates Pollock. I, I do. Say, I, well, I, I do. Somebody, somebody <laughs> appreciates it. There are other people that are going to make an argument that it doesn't take skill to do what he does, and there's some people that say it is, and that's the same conversation we're having about beer right now. Yeah. There's some people that say it doesn't take skill. 
Others, you know, think it does take skill to well, do I think, this. I think you can tell the difference. I think that you can tell the difference when someone leaves their IPA hazy because they wanted to, or when they leave their IPA hazy because they don't know how to, you know, filter, filter their properly. beer. Yeah. Like if you drink the IPA and your teeth are immediately covered in a film, I think we talked about this the other day. If your teeth are immediately covered in a film <laughs> of yeast, they didn't know how to do it. Not, ooh, we did this artistic thing. Like it shouldn't be chalky. And so there are stylistic, uh, uh, parameters that you can apply all right i agree with you on that one previously i disagree with you, I agree with you. <laughs> if i if i talk enough eventually i'll get yeah eventually i'm like yeah, right, right, yeah. And, and, you know given them a long enough time that we're not experiencing yet given them a long enough time the bad beers the bad beer makers of these styles are going to get weeded out people are always like man german breweries are so good it's because the ones that are bad went out of right. business a long time ago <laughs> Um, all right, so we're going to move on to my beer. Um, so, you know, in the vein of Brett's, uh, you know, first beer experience. So one of my very first beers that got me into craft beer um, was just a classic Rodenbach. Um, so this is a Flanders-style red ale uh, coming from the West Flemish town of Roselaire. Um, and so the beer that I brought in is a vintage 2012. So the difference is, is this is an unblended aged beer from a single cask. And um, this particular brewery uh, uses fooders, which are about three times the size of a normal wine barrel. And they actually make their own. Um, so these giant vats. Um, it's it's an amazing sight to see. So I'm a little nervous as far as, because I've had this for a while. Is it good? It's really good. It's yeah. okay. really <laughs> great. Because <laughs> really we, we had a, a beer share on Friday, and I brought out a beer that I had had for maybe like, what is it? It was, it was a like 2011. 2011 like, yeah. It was a 2011 beers. Uh, Spike and Jerome, so it was BFM and Terrapin came together and brewed a beer. And uh, I, I must, I, I had to store it improperly at some point because it tasted like, tasted like, if someone took like Madeira and soy sauce. Madeira, and, like, soy mixed. sauce, and then just like a, a, a white vinegar. Yeah, just. it was so gross. Um, that I thought beer, the white vinegar note was I've, nice. I've though. had that beer before, and it was delicious and amazing. So th- this had to do with you know how I aged it. But this beer apparently is good. Yeah, no, it tastes good. Yeah, that's that's this really aged good. gracefully. This aged very gracefully. Unlike me, <laughs> it's like that perfect like tart cherry. Yeah. Flanders red flavor that you're looking for. Yeah, but it's not like, you know, and with that age, that tartness mellows. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is mellowed like just to the right, 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 just to the right level. I'm really happy with this. Not so aggressive. Great. I like that. All right. So yeah. if anybody has vintage 2012 Rodenbach out there, it's awful. drink it Sell now. It <laughs> <laughs> drink it now. Um, and you know what? So <clears throat> I've, got a, I've got a thing I want to talk about, but really quick. Um, if you all have a giant beer seller start drinking your rare beers like i appreciate you wanting to age something for like 10 years or something like that but not everything needs to be aged and i feel like we just hoard too much stuff you know what i mean that's why i drink everything immediately and don't have any alcohol in my house (laughs) (laughs) uh i think those are two separate issues (laughs) no but i've i've for a while there i was like holding on to all these little you know these beers that i'd collected and all of a sudden i'm like you know what i need we just need need to start drinking them you know, yeah, Grant, you're a you're a big proponent of just drinking something delicious and fun on like a Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. Like not not even worth holding on to. I I made I think a mistake, like you said, in holding a lot of beers and 
when I had my housewarming party when I moved from one place to another and I didn't have a lot of beer storage, I actually did like reverse housewarming presents where people that came to my house party got to take home aged beers. Yeah. And yeah, I had probably 50 beers that I gave out, just no interest anymore hanging on to them, but hopefully they brought some joy to some people's lives. But Grant, I didn't get one. Well, that's because, well, you know. <laughs> I also didn't get one. There was crates of them. I also didn't get one, so I actually don't an, think I was This is there. an awkward story for me. I think that you, you might just misremembering drinking all your beer. No, because there's also <laughs> liquor. <laughs> this is a great topic, Sergeant. Um, so this isn't my actual topic, but oh. yes, let's talk about this. I was just going to say, I agree yeah. with you in that I certainly used to be somebody who uh, hoarded and stored lots and lots of beer, and now, now I'm in that phase of whittling down that collection and drinking it now. Yeah. Well, that was always the, the ethos at Church Key, which was that, like, the good beer is meant to be drank. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes we store some stuff, but, like, there was always a portion of every crate that got sold. Like, some stuff went on the aging wall. Sure. And some stuff was sold. And, you know, to people we thought would enjoy it. We didn't hoard it for just the, like, the regulars who came in. If someone said, like, I'm looking for something really cool, they got something really cool. Yeah, um, absolutely. Which is a good ethos to have. It's like... Beer's supposed to be for people to enjoy and drink. Yeah, it's everyday special. But no, the actual thing I wanted to talk about, um, so Kirkland brand. Now, Sam, while you're not too familiar with Wegmans, you're very familiar with Costco. very familiar with Costco. Yes. So Kirkland brand is Costco's brand, and they just came out with a craft beer pack. So it's 24 beers for $19.99, Okay. So you get six each, stout, brown ale, pale ale, and IPA. Apparently, they are mediocre to okay. I believe they're brewed at FX Matt. Oh. Or at least they used to. The Kirkland brand used to be brewed out of of Utica uh, at FX Matt. I don't know if that's still the case. So some of them are out Mm -hmm. of of there in Utica, and then some of them are in uh, California. Gordon Gordon Biersch. Gotcha. Another class of 88. (laughs) <laughs> but so if you if you live in those places right. you know it depends on where you are <clears throat> and i feel like you know if you're throwing a party and you're not a craft beer person but there are people who are coming to craft beer and you're like all right here's the variety pack of quote-unquote craft beer cool like whatever that's totally fine what i do want to talk about though is contract brewing mm-hmm. and i find it a little fascinating because um Basically, contract brewing, for people who aren't too familiar, it's basically when you're a brewery and you don't have the space um, or the equipment to brew the beer that you want to brew, so you get another brewery who have the space and the equipment and the time uh, to either brew it with you or for you. Um, and there is some controversy in this. Uh, there are some breweries who claim, you know, we're the first brewery in, you know, blah, 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 since Prohibition, but they're not actually brewing the beer there, so... You know, there's kind of that debatable fact. And then you have brewers who make contract brewing sexy by calling themselves gypsy brewers. Like, oh, I'm a gypsy brewer, but in essence, you're a contract brewer. I I always think that (laughs) offensive ethnic names are sexy, too. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, and, you know, uh, so for example, like Two Roads in Stratford, Connecticut... They brew their beer, but they also brew for thirteen other brands. Um, and I've just been—I've just been kind of looking at this recently, and I don't really know where I stand on it. Is the beer good? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Evil Twin. Yeah. Still no. Water. Still Water. Grim. 
I believe all of those are coming out of two roads yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. As a and West Westbrook is brewing contract for other people, mm-hmm. and like listen, if you're evil twin and you want to brew your goes at Westbrook, I'm I'm all for it. Yeah, because they know how to do it. Yeah, they're really good at it. <laughs> I actually asked them when I was there in 2015. I think I asked them about. I was like, oh, you know, so she come down here and brew it. Just, sure, yeah. mm-hmm. It just mails us things. That's he emails us things, and then we make them. So it's like, yeah, well, there's a big price premium that people are paying for this, and you know, is it? It's a pretty can. Yeah, it's a very, it's a very pretty can. They've got great cans, and you just throw an extra adjunct and keep all of them in there. Eventually, we're gonna run out of space in those cans. I think. I just. It's like a Taco Bell menu beer. I just, I, I feel like if, if you make a big fuss about being, you know. I'm the very first craft brewery here and, you know, we use local ingredients and this is all this other stuff, then sure, contract brewing is not a good idea if you're doing it kind of... You mean if you're a liar? Yeah, if you're a liar. That's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about people who are liars. Like when Templeton Rye was like, we found this like old recipe and, you know, pre-prohibition. Then it turned out they were sourcing their rye from... Indiana, like everybody else, mm-hmm. and then <laughs> like the two-year-old DC like, distillery selling ten-year-old bourbon. Yeah, but they all say that they source. That's just math, Grant. They all they <laughs> all admit to sourcing. There's no other way to do it. I mean, there isn't. If you want to, you know, be a distillery now, and you have to start selling immediately in order to make money, or you want to be a brewery and you don't have, you know, space or time or or equipment, mm-hmm. like. That's what you have to do, but you should be honest about it. Yeah. You should say... You should say you're a gypsy brewer. You should right. You should be really <laughs> sexy and say you're a gypsy brewer. Yeah. You, you know, take on a fake accent, but tell the truth. <laughs> Man. So I had my topic taken earlier by Brett, so I had to make up another topic, and I don't want to start talking about that topic now as part of this, but I feel like I, then I'd have to come up with a third topic, and Wait. it would just be boring. So no, no, you're not boring. Um, no, I, I mean, I, I think you're boring. Well, <laughs> let's, pour, let's pour your beer. What'd you bring? Uh, I brought a couple of beers. Uh, let's let's do one because you know. Let's do the Bourbon County. It's 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 on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> it's early on a Monday. <laughs> it's early. So this is uh, Goose Island 2014 um, Bourbon County brand stout. And the reason I brought this in here is because I brought two beers. This was the beer that started the uh, let's throw beer and spirits bottles and uh, spirits barrels and see what comes out of that another vaunted class of 1988 but i wanted to try this and then i wanted to talk about uh, we already kind of touched on it is the um the adjuncts how far is too far when it comes to adjuncts and that's why i brought in a different beer that is uh heavily adjunct driven which is Shake It Fast from Microphone Brewing out in uh, suburban Chicago area. Which, by the way, if you have a layover at O'Hare Airport, it's about a 15-minute Uber mm-hmm. to get there. And I absolutely love everything they do. But this is Shake It Fast, which is a uh, Imperial Chocolate Cake Shake Stout Ale. So, port- Wait, can you do that? Can you just say it one more time? Or Brett, here, Brett, read it. Use your melodious voice. Shake Fast Imperial Chocolate Cake Shake Stout Ale. Okay. Beautiful. It might have too many adjuncts if it takes that many words to describe what it is. So there's a restaurant, like a fast casual, if you will, restaurant chain in the Chicagoland area called Portillo's. 
which makes hot dogs and uh, yeah, they do. Italian beef. <laughs> and they also make delicious chocolate cake. Mm-hmm. So when they brewed this beer, they brewed it as a collaboration with Bearded Iris out of Tennessee. And it's supposed to mimic a Portillo's chocolate cake. And in fact, it was... I know where this is going. They had Portillo's chocolate cake in the mash. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and we saw that one. Yeah. See, I saw that coming. Yeah, so this is brewed with... It says lactose, cake mix, chocolate, vanilla, and condensed milk. Cake mix. And, you know, it's... At what point is too far? How far? Where, how far up is the tsunami wave of pastry stouts sure. going to crash before it recedes? Like, how far are we going with this? We're all in. Like, how, but how far? I guess this is your question about pastry stouts or food-driven beers? Everything. Okay. Spaghetti Western? Yes, that was on my radar. <laughs> I, I have two points on this, or comments, I guess. One, there is the... You said Spaghetti Western, right? Mm-hmm. And from right. what I, I'm sorry, for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar... Tell, tell us about Spaghetti Western. Um, you guys may have to help me out on this, um, as far as my memory, but I believe Spaghetti Western was... The Italian brewery. What was it? Um, Berifico. Anyone remember? I'll look it up on my hand computer. You keep talking. Okay. okay. Um, basically, it was an imperial stout, and I believe um, it was made to be brewed with spaghetti, and from what I remember, they added a ceremonial amount of spaghetti But do you know mash. why? Because anything exported out of Italy that has the name spaghetti in it has to have spaghetti in it. Right. So they had to brew it with Sorry, this some is spaghetti. Brewfest and Prairie Artisanals. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was using the Italian name for a Brewfest. Yeah. The Barifico something other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotcha. <laughs> I thought I was under the impression that it was um, um, Sheldon Brothers was worried that the label couldn't get past ATF. Or maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was Could importing into the yeah, country with, uh, of spaghetti. So, so there's that point of it being ceremonial. Oh, we put this in it and it's a very minuscule amount and it won't really affect the end product. Yeah, like beard beer. You know right. how long they put it in for? No. About eight to ten minutes. Okay. Um, then there's the other it's part. That's how long it takes to make pasta. <laughs> <laughs> then there's the other. My, my other thought in that we have Funky Buddha, which I think was one of the first breweries to do food-driven beers exceptionally well. And I think there's some merit to that in that they just executed these beers incredibly well. But now, to Grant's point, we're getting to the point of, is there a too far? And if there is a too far, where is it? Should we think about what we're doing instead of just doing it because we can? Yeah. So I gotta say, <laughs> really like ethical science to to, <laughs> to, beer. <laughs> to beer. We're getting we're getting too deep here. All right. What do you guys think about this Bourbon County Stout from uh, 2014? I, I like it. I like it a lot. I like it. Do you want to elaborate on that? I think the positive oxidation is nice on it. It hasn't gotten too sherry-like, um, but it's definitely like rounded out a lot. Um, the heat has died yeah, off. The heat has mellowed. definitely died off. It makes me happy when I drink it. Yeah. Grant, Grant gets Grant's happy. It's yeah. a win for everybody. Do you mind if I see the bottle? No. Here you go. Here you go. And well, you no, know, no would have meant that you don't mind. Yeah, like beer cellar sounds really fancy, but it's actually plastic box that was underneath my bed that I pulled out last <laughs> night. <laughs> I was like, what's on all that racket back there? Nothing. <laughs> yeah. No, my uh, my quote unquote beer cellar used to be a igloo cooler in a coat closet. So oh, you fancy? You got closets? I got a closet. Well, no. See closets. now, now that I moved to friggin' Alexandria, Suburbs. Virginia, and I got mm. all this space, I've got a whole 
like closet with shelves for all my beers. Oh, that's nice. I have a wine fridge, but it broke, so I just have a a, a a broken wine fridge with all my bottles in it. Now you just have room temperature shelves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's but it's kept at room temperature. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Uh, well, before we sign off, anything you guys are looking forward to um, drinking in the near future? Any new releases? Anything you're excited about procuring at some point? I'm really the wrong person to ask. I don't really. Yeah, I know. As soon as as soon as that question, you're looking came directly out of my mouth. at me. I don't know, Grant. <laughs> well, we were talking about uh, Gypsy Brewing, and mm-hmm. what I'm really excited about is Patent Brewing coming to Hyattsville, Maryland. And yeah. I don't know if you guys have all heard about this, but what they're going to be doing is they're making a brewery without a brew system. So they're going to be buying wort from breweries and then using their own yeasts that they have. They have about 250 kinds of yeast from all over the world. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then doing their own aging, doing their own blending and everything. So they'll be ordering wort from local breweries and then making their own beer from that. That's really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Who, who are the folks behind this? Oh, there's a fellow that was involved with Handsome Beer Company, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt uh, Humbert, maybe, might be his name. And then he has his wife. And then there's another couple that are partners. But I think he's a microbiologist or something and has isolated uh, all sorts of wonderful yeast. Wonderful, so he's a yeast wrangler. Yeah, Lactobacillus, nice. uh, Bertrandomyces, Kvek. Cool. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. K-V-I-E-K, Norwegian. I'm unfamiliar yeast. with that, but I would like to know more. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited about that. Now, is that a gypsy brewer? Who's, who, who's brewing the beer? I don't know. Yeah. Well, technically, uh, it's the yeast brewing the beer, so. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, yeast. <laughs> but, yeast. And, and I know... Yeasty um, boys. But that, that's a great question. But, you know, in Belgium, we've got Lambic brewers and blenders. If you're a blender, you're clearly not producing the wort. So this is a case where you're not producing the wort, but you are taking it and putting your own spin on it for the that's, end product. That's like winemaking, though. You know, you get the juice in from somebody else who grew it, and then you, you know, you ferment and blend and age or whatever you're going to do with it, and that doesn't make you not a winemaker just because you didn't grow the grapes and press them. Yeah, but, I mean, you, you get a mixed bag on wine producers. You certainly get a mixed bag. You certainly get a mixed bag. Uh, I want to change my answer to I don't, from I don't know to I'm yeah. pretty excited for other half to go in at Ivy City. I sure am. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's a one-mile bus ride for me. <laughs> D4. Amazing. It's right next to my gym, so I can, you know, go, Undo go earn the calories. <laughs> earn the calories. Jesus. Yes, very excited for that. Very exciting. Um, I'm excited. Actually, this, uh, this Christmas, there are a couple of beer nerds in my husband's family one of my brother-in-law is actually a really, really talented home brewer. Um, and so I'm really excited to try some of his stuff this season um, and do whatever kind of beer exchange I can, you know, there. Um, for some reason, like Western New York has access to all this crazy, awesome beer, you know, between uh, Buffalo, Syracuse, Rochester, there's this like impressive, impressive uh, beer scene. And so they always get access to really cool stuff. So I'm excited to do some some trading, which is just about the nerdiest beer thing I've said in a long time. Uh, <laughs> no, I think trading is great because you're, you're sharing something that you like with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I have to Thank add you. that this, this, this uh, Shake It Fast beer mm-hmm. is also the worst of other worlds as well because I want it in a razzle. You want it in a what? A razzle. What's that? Oh, we're not familiar with razzles. Nope. So it's uh, the Illinois Pick 3. 
that's done every day. And uh, so what they do is they buy, sell, we'll sell 10 spots for a beer at a different price. So this was $6 per per spot. Mm-hmm. And then the Illinois Pick 3 comes, whatever the, uh, the, 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 the Powerball equivalent of that is that the Illinois Lottery picks is the winning number for that raffle. So it's a chance to get an expensive beer at cheap or lose uh, lose money continuously and occasionally get an expensive beer for cheap. So this was a $60 beer on the secondary market that I got for $6. Nice. It's a good return. Yeah. Yeah, if anyone ever has any questions on the quote-unquote secondary market of beer, talk to Grant. <laughs> I can't believe you haven't razzled before. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, thank you all for coming in on this Monday morning. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having Thanks us. For having yeah. Thank you for having us. So it was good to catch up with you all. Great time. Uh, this has been Beer Me on Full Service Radio, recorded live at the Line Hotel in Adams, Morgan, Washington, D.C. Check us out anywhere you get podcasts. Also on Instagram at, at Beer Me Radio. Also, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, uh, shoot us an email at beermeradio at gmail.com. Thank you all so much. Cheers. Thank you.